0: This is the fourth episode of The Crew Only Podcast with Second AD and Directors Guilds of America member, Laura Riser. Welcome to The Crew Only Podcast. My name is Jasmine Porter, a freelance television and film professional. Each episode, I'll bring you a unique crew member from a different department to discuss their role in making a film. We'll give you exclusive behind the scenes stories and advice on how you can get your start too thank you for joining us today and welcome to the crew life Hello everybody. Right now I have the amazing Laura Riser here with me. She is the second AD on a feature film that we are doing here in Buffalo, New York. And I'm so honored to be sitting here with Laura. She's an amazing woman and I if I can just be honest, she has like an amazing, incredible spirit about her. Aww. Just positive vibes, I'll be honest. Um so I am honored to be here to sit with her today and just talk to her about what it's like being AD. I hope you guys get a lot of information from this. We're going to just get into it and really get into the nuts and bolts of what it's like being an ad how you can get into the industry so i hope you guys really learned something today so laura Yay! thank you so much for being oh my here gosh, i'm so excited yes I'm of course so
1: excited
0: i know you're her. a busy lady i know what it's i don't know what it's like being an ad but i know it's hectic so i do appreciate the time yeah, on a sunday course. coming here for me of
1: course no i'm happy to be here i'm happy to give information to anybody who wants it or yeah. who needs it or anything like that
0: yeah I'm- so just you know kicking it off a second ad can you mm-hmm. tell us what that job is and what does it consist of? Yeah. So, uh,
1: to sum it up, it's um, the second position within the assistant director um, department. Okay. So you have a first assistant director who is connected directly to the director, and they um, they're going to be the first person that's in like during prep. They're like right there with the director. They're scouting. They're talking about scheduling. They're figuring out, like, really the huge nuts and bolts and putting it all, bunching it all into a schedule. Mm-hmm. And then I come in as the key second AD, and I'm the right-hand man to the first AD.
0: You're the right-hand man. Yeah, the right-hand person. <laughs> and the right-hand uh, being. Yeah.
1: And, um, yeah, and so I, I, I deal with the day-to-day aspect of scheduling. I, I'll put, a, put it in a call sheet, okay. which is, like, basically it's kind of a map. the entirety of the day. It has the scenes that we're going to shoot, it has the cast that are going to work that day, it has the background, the extras that are going to work that day, all the elements that are needed in the scene, Mm -hmm. all the set dressing. Um, It has the advanced schedule on it, and then it has the names of everybody that's on the shooting crew and what time they're supposed to come in. So I'm in charge of making that document. So my focus is more so on making sure the next day is ready. because the first AD and the second second AD who's also on set with the first AD they are focused on getting the day making sure you shoot everything making sure all the necessary elements are there on time or mm-hmm. before on time <laughs> um, and we love before yeah yes <laughs> um and yeah and just you know um uh, yeah so they're so they're, they're they're focused on like the current Minute. Okay. And I am focused on the next day and the and the rest of the week. And also, I'm making sure you know the cast is there. They're getting ready. I mean, there's a first team PA who's handling who's really there. Like with the cast. Yeah. Okay. And, and she's she's like she's got the leash on on everybody. You know, she's like getting them through the works. Getting, That's the first team PA
0: responsibility. Exactly. Okay. Yeah.
1: And so I'm, I'm there just to make sure, like, all that's happening, basically. I'm just checking in here and there, like, hey, are these actors here? Okay, great. I mean, mm-hmm. You can
0: take it from here.
1: Um, but, yeah, that's pretty much it. I, I'm in charge of um, hiring the production assistants along with... So
0: you hire the set PAs? Yeah. Okay. I
1: mean, it varies on job to job. Sometimes, like, all the ADs want to do it uh, as a group. Sometimes they want to leave it up to the second ADs or the seconds and the second seconds. Okay. So in this case... I did it with Matt Fleck, who Who's is the second, yeah, he's the second, second second on this job. So we um, it was like a two person interview kind of team, thing. yeah, exactly. We interviewed
0: people like one at a time,
1: and our interviews didn't last that long. They lasted like fifteen. Yeah, we
0: would. I were being upfront, like we were bring them back to you yeah. guys, and you'd be like, "Oh, we brought them back, and they would leave. I'm like, "That was really quick." Yeah, <laughs> you know,
1: because it's like understanding the level of experience that here is and that is here in Buffalo. Um, You know, we were we were attempting, we were trying to hire an all local uh, staff, an all all Buffalo staff, which we almost did. Yeah, Uh, we brought in (laughs) one one production assistant from uh, the
0: from New York City. Who's your
1: key? Yes, he's the key PA.
0: Um, But you gotta have more experience, you know, for that anyway. Yeah, and
1: and you know, just being in a situation where I knew that we were the learning curve was going to be. You know, an obstacle that we're gonna go up against, which is fine. But it's hard to teach so much to so many people in a 24-day period, which is the length of of our shooting um, for this one, it's 24 filming days. And it's really hard to grasp the entirety and the nuance of a PA position in 24 days. So you have to really be on your toes. And you have to be able to teach. And not only are you teaching the whole time, but you're also trying to make this movie. And yeah, so you're trying to do just, your job exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and that's fine, and that's great, and that's you know, and that's that's really a really interesting part of the business is the fact that you it's on the job
0: training. But not everyone. I've- learned in my short time that not everyone is willing to teach some people and you know you have to be honest some people just want them to already know like they don't want to hire people who they have to teach they just want those PAs or whoever to already know and so you know it is awesome when you find those ADs or whatever that are like okay it's cool we know you don't have a lot of experience but we are willing to train you guys and help you throughout this.
1: Yeah and it's easier to I I guess for my my own personal mindset it's easier for me to go into um, somewhere that's outside of New York City and mm-hmm. be willing to teach rather than being as willing to teach in in the city which is why where do you I say that work because everything is so much more intense in the city yeah
0: and I, every aspect not even film e- just every yeah, aspect exactly. of New York City like it the lends itself. driving the taxis yes, yes, ordering yes. food everything's more everything,
1: intense everything living in the city is harder. it's also very rewarding. But you work hard yeah. for that reward, and it's just because everything is everything is much more intense. Everything much quicker, yeah. exactly. <laughs> it, everything moves. at It's a like people place.
0: aren't like trying to dedicate a couple of minutes to explain something exactly. to you.
1: Exactly, and I, I do. Tr- I certainly try and teach in the city as well, but. I grew up in South Carolina, and that's where I started working, was in South Carolina as a PA. So for me, so I had, when I finally moved to the city, I moved to the
0: city as a PA. I'd been pa at that point for two or three years. And then you moved to the city after two years of being in South Carolina?
1: No, I was actually um, I was up and down the East Coast. I worked in South Carolina, North Carolina, Georgia, and New Orleans. The oh, last cool. place I was in was in New Orleans. Yeah, and then after that, I was like, okay, I think I'm ready for. So the you city. had a quite a bit experience. Yeah, yeah. I think let's see. I th- I started PAing in 2010, and i I moved to the city in early 2013. Okay. In February, like I'm such an idiot. I it's moved cold. to New York City in <laughs> you February. You should have waited until like
0: April May. Why didn't anybody tell me? I
1: was such so dumb. It was like oh, I'm gonna. To
0: New York City right in February. Like, no?
1: Nope, mm. Bad,
0: poor, poor
1: decision making. Um, and I had no idea how much more difficult it was going to be. Yeah. No,
0: I was completely blindsided. Um, so, what ways would you say that it was difficult in?
1: It was, well, the structure of the department is a little bit different in New York City. Oh, really? And yeah. How so? Well, outside of the city, we run it, so on this job, on this Buffalo job, we run it like we do a city job, but on most places, like, in, in most places outside of the city, there's a base camp PA who mm-hmm. get first team ready. They're in charge of doing the exhibit G, and they're in charge of doing the PR, and they're in charge of like getting manpower for the call sheet. And then once they get first team ready, once they get the actors ready, they send them to set, and then there's another first team PA that watches out for the actors on set. And in the city, it's not like that. There's a first team PA and a first team PA helper. And um, depending on how busy it is, like if it's a really hard TV show, you'll have somebody that stays in base camp, like just getting actors through the works, and then you'll have that first team PA like going back and f- the other the other the helper, like getting breakfast, getting food, like washing out for them on set. Yeah. And then on top of that, you have a paintwork PA that handles um the PR and getting manpower, but the first team PA's handle the exhibit G, G. So it's just. The structure is completely That is interesting
0: different. that you said that because in Georgia, we had the base camp exactly. PA and then the first team exactly. PA, which I didn't even realize the difference because yeah. when I interned, I kind of helped out the first team PA, but mm-hmm. he was responsible for like, one of us had to be at base camp. He had to yep. handle the exhibit. So I didn't even like, it's interesting that you say it now because I, I didn't even realize yeah. the difference.
1: Yeah. It's really different. And I mean, it's little stuff too. It's like outside of New York City, if you have picture cars on the set, like mm-hmm. Generally, the transportation department has a picture car coordinator who does all that stuff. But in the city, and also, I think I think it's the same in Boston as well. I'm not entirely sure, so I don't want to say But uh, in the city, um, all the picture cars are handled by the property department. And when I first moved to the city, I was blown away by that. Because in my mind, I was so used to the transportation department, which deals with every other aspect of transportation. Cars. Exactly. It made so much sense to have a picture yeah. car coordinator with it, like within the transportation department and i got to the city I'm, i was <laughs> it's so silly because it's yeah. so little it's so small but you don't know back on it but to me it was such a big, big deal. like. it was such a big deal because it was such a restructuring of something that i thought was so set in stone mm-hmm. everywhere else and it just wasn't. It wasn't yeah so i had a lot of stuff
0: to learn maybe to the city and a lot of readjustment.
1: A lot of readjustment. You got to be
0: flexible and like be ready to readjust exactly. the things that you think you've learned and be ready to kind of reprogram and do it differently That's based on exactly where you are. Right.
1: Yeah, and it was a very hard transition for me. The first year was very hard moving into the city, and so when I'm working on jobs that are outside of the city, even if they're still in New York, they're still mm-hmm. of course they're still outside of the city, um, and it was just, and so I'm I'm because i started outside of the city i had this rough transition into the city and now i get the 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 privilege of working outside as well as as in the city as well i am um, i i really like to have the opportunity to teach i really yeah. like the opportunity to talk to people who are local to a town to help create uh the infrastructure or to put it in a place you know or mm-hmm. or just anything that i can do to, to help them. Yeah, to help like give the knowledge, whatever it is, whatever yeah. minimal knowledge <laughs> whatever I have, is. Yeah. <laughs> just passing that along to help people like create the, the infrastructure that exists in their town is, to me, it's a huge honor and it's a huge privilege. Yeah. I mean, I think teaching in general is uh, an honor it's and a an privilege um, because it's amazing. You know, I, I still feel
0: like I'm just starting,
1: Like yeah. I always feel like that. <laughs> And for people to come to me to
0: like ask for advice. Yeah, because this is your first, you know, second that's AD right. job.
1: This is so So, this job is my first key second job. Yeah. So, normally in the city, I'm a second, second AD. And actually, when I go back, I, I have my next second, second job lined up, which. <laughs> My current first baby uh disagrees with he thinks I should stick with this transition. Really? Of,
0: yeah. What do you, do you have a preference? I mean, obviously you wanna I take it continue moving up, but do you have a preference? Like do you like?
1: Well, I I certainly will want to step out of this experience as a key second mm-hmm. and utilize the hindsight and really figure out how I feel about it but I can tell you right now at this moment while while I am entrenched in this new experience I love it yeah it's been a fantastic experience I feel like I'm right at home I feel like I'm I am and I've told my first AD this as well like I feel so fulfilled I feel like I'm exactly where Where I need to be right now yeah and um, and part of that I think comes with the fact that when I was um, PAing, my favorite position, the the position that I found, you know, the most um, just pleasure from and and fulfillment. Really, was it, first was a, it was a first yeah. PA. Yeah, yeah people exactly. Though Laura, well, like, but you know what it is, it, and I can tell you, I can pinpoint it because this is what it is. I I enjoy so sometimes. First team PAs, especially when they're first starting out as like doing first team, doing like which first team is like taking care of the actors, it's getting them through hair, makeup, wardrobe, Mm -hmm. it's greeting them, it's getting them food, it's making sure they're on set when they need
0: to be, making sure they're okay and they're where they're supposed to be. Exactly.
1: And a lot of first team PAs will fall into the trap of becoming like an actor's PA, which is Mm. which means like. Every time they make a request, the first team PA is going to do their best to fulfill it. Where, when in actuality, you know, and this is something, of course, I try to teach as well. You have to. You are not the actor's PA. You are the AD's PA. Yeah. You, know, you are. You are within the assistant mm. director department.
0: So that's interesting that you say that. Like that fine yeah. line of not becoming. And an that's actor. it. And
1: that's exa- that that line that you're talking about. That is the nuance. That you have to, it's like this nuanced pathway that you walk, and you've got the ADs on one side and you've got the actors on one side.
0: Because you have and, to help them out, but you have to remember what your role
1: really exactly. is. Exactly. And it's tricky because, depending on the job, you know, I mean, most most actors are, are regular people yeah. for the most part. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it really, really, really does work out that way most yeah. of the time.
0: But, and you have people who are not the happiest people. Sure. You have, you know, and so you just gotta look across at it as, the whole board. exactly. You exactly. just have to look at them as people and and exactly. see everybody has different personalities, and so every actor you deal with is gonna have a different personality. Yes,
1: yes, and every crew member that you deal with has a, it, has a different yes. personality. I mean, it goes. It's across the board <laughs> like that for sure. And being able to walk that that nuanced pathway between the actors and the ads hearing and really empathizing with both sides of the fence mm-hmm. and trying to come to a communal agreement that works for both, that, to me, is, is very rewarding. And I really like doing it, and I felt like, as a first-team I was really able to understand not only the request from the actors, but the thing that was behind the request that they're not explicitly saying. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like like, I, if they need a little bit of extra time in their trailer because maybe they got too fucked up the night before and they didn't learn their lines for the scene. Uh, so they're trying to buy a little bit of time, time. before they go to set because they're trying to finish up memorizing Because they're people lines. and they like to go uh-huh, home, too. Uh-huh. They stayed out too late. Uh-huh, exactly. Uh-huh. And they maybe didn't do their homework and they should have done their homework. So I gotcha. hear... You Will know, they, well, t- they
0: say that sometimes mm-hmm. or you kind of sometimes have to just figure it out? It depends on the relationship that you have with the people and that is
1: part of the nuance. It's building these relationships where you can have the trust between yourself and the assistant director, yourself and the actor, yourself and whoever it is. Mm-hmm. It's like being very open and and as completely honest as you can be with yourself and with those people and with your relationship. and. Hand over fist, I always find honesty wins. Always, always, always.
0: I never even thought about that. Because sometimes a lot of people are like, oh, that one's a diva. Like, they always want extra time. But what
1: is it? What is it that they're not saying? What is it that they really need? And that's what I try to find out. I try to figure out what's between the lines and address it. Because normally it's something that's innocuous. It's something that's helping out production in, in the meantime. Yeah, okay, so... You messed up and you got too fucked up and you didn't learn your lines. Okay, I hear you. I feel you. So what can we do to help that out? What can yeah. we do to help out that situation? And, you know, and, and I try to approach, you know, I try to take the information that I have and approach the ADs or, in you know, the first, the first AD uh, who's in charge of running the whole day, scheduling the whole day, keeping the entire company on time and finishing the day on time. You know, I would try to go up to that person and just explain as honestly as I can. Yeah. And I would say 85% <laughs> of the time, people are... If you if you approach somebody with honesty the, and you explain what's going on as to the best you of your really ability... You don't really give them
0: much choice.
1: Exactly. Like, you, people, people are going to try to work with you. Like, yeah. this is a communal effort. This is a team effort. Like because you don't want to
0: because the thing is too you don't want to bring them on right if they're not ready and now the director exactly. is like yeah frustrating what's going, what's going on yeah. so sometimes you're like you got to fill it out mm-hmm. like okay is it worth more giving them a couple extra let them exactly. have 10 minutes or something exactly. or bring them out and then have the director and everybody frustrated and you have to do it over exactly. 10 times anyway exactly because they're not ready
1: because it's like you know you could make something up like you keep knocking on their trailer door and they're not responding or they're not willing to But come they're out. they're gonna get frustrated like, at you maybe. Exactly. All you gotta do is just go to your boss and be like, yo, this is what's going on. on. I'm so sorry, but can we have an extra ten minutes? And they'll be like, no problem and that'll give and they'll be able to go and tell the cinematographer, like, yo, we're running ten minutes behind. If you wanna make any tweaks to the lights you know, if you if you go to, like, the props department, hey, you know, we got an extra 10 minutes. You just tell people what's going on.
0: Mm. And then you try and, you know, you try and make up that extra two 10 minutes somewhere minutes. else if you can. You know, that's so amazing that you say that because I think sometimes being a PA, it's like you... You're nervous, right? Like, sometimes you're scared. Like, you don't want to go say, Mm -hmm. like, they need 10 minutes because you're like, no. Like, they're going to scream at me. Like, I have to get it ready. And so sometimes you're just fearful to, like, be honest and say, like, look, this is really what's going on. You want to kind of be the hero and try to figure out a way to make it work. And sometimes it just doesn't work that way.
1: And one thing that I've actually been talking in depth with my first AD on this particular job is one thing that you always try to teach uh, PAs is interpretation Mm. interpreting the information that you're given and not just relaying it and Mm. that's and that's that's another that's that's a nuance of the job and that's a difficult thing to learn because in order to interpret information you have to understand the scope of the entire project and how whatever information you're given affects like who it affects and which departments. do you have an example. So, it would be like, um, hmm, what would be a good example of that? Um, I'm trying to think of a real life example of something, of a piece of information that you would have to interpret, um... Because I know, because there are like so many. Yeah. There's so many examples that are like in my head right now. But you're now. like, I can't think of just one to pull out. I know, out. I know, I know. That's it. Um, uh, interpretation. Well, you know, it would be, it would be something like, um, uh, something like, let's say an actor's coming in for two days. Okay. This is this is something that's happening on this job right now. Well, a person. Um, is a person is coming in? Is kind of an actor. It's it's a it's a different situation because this person is like a um, like a choreographer or whatever. But okay. They're coming in and um, they're asking the length of the day. Mm. So it's always so asking how how long a day is going to run is always a tricky question. It's it's a tricky question because if you give a specific answer like oh we're going to our crew call is nine a.m. Um, your scene goes until from ten thirty a.m. until twelve p.m. and then you're gonna have a break from one p.m. to three p.m. and then you have one more scene from three p.m. to five p.m. It's like if you give that. That's information, what's laid out,
0: but yeah, it's
1: like the day every day the way this first AD does it is he'll he gives his timings of, and and generally first ADs when they're making the schedule. In order to make the schedule, they have to time out each scene. Okay. So, you know, scene 25 will take an hour and a half. Scene 30 will take two hours. Scene 9 will take a half hour. That sort of thing. And so they know that, like, when they're making the schedule. Um, And so when you tell, like, when you tell people, like, the timings of the day, Mm. you always have to tell them that with a huge caveat, because, like, this is the timing. These are the timings of the day. But... It could change at any second. It could change at the top of the day. It could change at the middle of the day. You know, it can change any time. Like if the first scene runs long, everything,
0: everything. for the rest of the day is pushed. Unless yeah.
1: you make up that time somewhere else. And it's like but you don't know that. Exactly. You don't know that. You don't know that until you so when you answer a question about timing, you know, you have to be very, 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 very careful, especially for people who don't understand how fluid a day can be. And so in this case, I knew that the reason that this person was asking about the timings was because A, he had already worked one day before, and his day had run long. But B, what he was really trying to figure out is he was trying to figure out child care for his mm. two-year-old daughter. Yeah, who was in the city? And so he's trying to wow. figure out. She set up child care for her in the city. Should he bring her up to Buffalo and figure out child care up gotcha. here? So okay. understanding like what the question behind and the question. Did they
0: say that or like so? How did you you know figure that
1: out? So in this situation, you know, I told him what was up. I, this was all via email. Okay. So we had an email thread going. So I told him um, what he was looking at for his day because when he had come uh, again, like I said, when he came earlier. Um, he his day had run long, and he had a huge wrap out because he had to get out of all the special effects makeup, mm. and that took a long time. And then he had to like rush right to the airport. airport. So I want to make sure like he wasn't going to be caught.
0: Yeah, in running line. late exactly. or in a bad situation,
1: especially especially when it involves a child. Child, yes, someone's child. That's huge, huge, huge. So when he sent me his response. He had mentioned like, "Oh, I'm trying. to All right, I'm trying to figure out childcare. Thank you for the information, and I think I'll do this, this, and this, so I won't have mm-hmm. to worry." And I was like, "Okay, great," but knowing where he's coming from, yeah. knowing what he's trying to set up, and just knowing what people need, and oftentimes I'll ask, "I hear your. I'll say, I hear your question. What is the question behind the question? What are you trying to?" That's figure so out? important to do it's that. So I've important. never thought about that, and I don't so think maybe important. a
0: lot of people do. Yeah, think just about tell that.
1: me what you need. Tell me what you're trying. And sometimes I'll even say, like, I'll ask a question because it's like, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, I'll say, like, okay, like, I'll talk to my first AD. I'll be like, yo, what time do you need, um, what time do you need number three, the, mm-hmm. our number three actor on set? And I'll say, the question behind the question is, she wants time to do a, a self-taped audition before she goes mm. into hair makeup. And, you know, gotcha. so she'll do the audition and then she'll so do you're the So you ask them a question, but let them know why exactly. you're really Not just exactly. like, it's this time, why do you need to know? Exactly, mm. yes. And that's why, like, I want to sh- I wanna demonstrate that I know the correct question to ask. But then I want to let them know this is the reason why I'm asking. Because letting them know that reason might reveal another answer. It's yeah. like... Oh yeah, like we we'll, we we'll want her to be ready by 6:30 p.m., but realistically, we're probably not going to get to her until 7:15. Great. Gotcha. That is exactly the information I I need to know. Mm. So that's that's it. That's it's just it's figure it's just being as honest as you can and interpreting the information and not being scared to like, you know, yeah, sometimes you're gonna have to give some disappointing yeah. <laughs> information yeah, sure. or news yeah. to people, and you just gotta deal with that. And yeah. That's that's the part that you know, where if like if you go up to a person and be like, "Yo, I need an extra ten minutes," maybe they'll get pissed in that one second. second but then it's like, it doesn't right, last well, long. Exactly. I've
0: always, you know, it usually doesn't last on that yelling or whatever. Yeah. Like it'll come and it'll hurt, yeah. but it won't be there forever. In it the next won't. hour, you'll be like, all right, that's past this now.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's part of it too. Is just like being able to develop that's that thick skin. It's like, okay, I'm sorry. This new information is disappointing. I got it to you as quickly as I could so yeah. we could figure out an alternative solution because that's what filmmaking is. Like you've already mentioned, you've already yeah. said that. Like it's, everything is fluid. Everything is It can change changing. at any yes.
0: second. Yes. It's all second. these people, you know, working in their own areas for one yeah. common thing. Like yeah. everybody has their own part and they're just trying to accomplish this one thing at the end of every day.
1: Yep. Exactly. Like that's, that's,
0: a, <laughs> that's it. That's making a movie. Yeah. I want to transition a little bit. Yeah. Two parts, because we mentioned your PAs. Yep. Um, so when you are interviewing PAs, mm-hmm. we talked about it a little bit, but what are, what are some things that you're looking for when, you know, if there's a PA who wants to, like, work on set? You know, what are some things that you're looking for when you're talking to them? Okay. I'm going to say this very clearly. Yes. I,
1: <laughs> I, uh I was so... Shocked. So I love the PAs that we hire, every single one. I'm so proud of them. I cannot speak highly enough about them. I love them so dearly, and I'm so proud of them. (laughs) But I probably interviewed 15 people to be production assistants. Mm -hmm. And out of everybody that I interviewed, two people brought hard copies of their resume. resume. I was shocked. Because it's like, to me, if I see that the majority of people aren't bringing a hard copy, I'm like... Wait a minute, what am I missing?
0: Yeah, I'm like is this something, something that we don't do anymore? Yeah, like,
1: well exactly, that was my thinking. I was like, wait a second, have I time? Like, are we moving into yeah. a new time? Like, It's fine, not? but did I just miss it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did I miss that transition? So, um, and I think one reason was because when I was reaching out to everyone, I reached out to everyone via email, and I asked they... them for their resume, and they all sent it to me as an attachment. And so for me, I printed out everybody's resume, and I printed out a copy for my second second who was interviewing with me. So but they think oh they already have it. That's exa- I'm I'm guessing that's the But you're still supposed to I, it.
0: I've I've always been taught that like you're still supposed to bring it.
1: Yo, you should bring I when I go to a resume I mean when I go to a resume <laughs> when I go to an interview I bring no less than ten copies of yeah. my resume. Wow. I have never I brought been like interviewed. Four. I've never been interviewed by more than four people. Yes. Or five people at a time
0: actually. I've never what been you
1: interviewed know? by more yeah but you don't know you don't know so
0: i'm not gonna i'm not gonna risk it like i only got three but there's five people here. yeah oh man i'm
1: not gonna yeah. i'm not gonna look like a jerk <laughs> so it was so funny because i noticed that every single time and i i wanted to call people out but i was like no everybody's nervous about yeah. i'm like
0: like where's I'm your resume gonna, yeah i'm not gonna fuck around <laughs> with that but that, that would just imagine me. if you did though yeah
1: wait, wait <laughs> so bad. It, I just, yeah, it would not have been, uh, it would not have helped any of us doing
0: When you were interviewing with either. your second second, did he mention anything about it? Like, did he think it was like odd that they weren't bringing it? Or? Well,
1: in between interviews, I turned to, to him and I was like, yo, like nobody, and he, nobody's, what's up with nobody bringing resumes? He was like, I know, what <laughs> is going on? So, I mean, whatever. So anyway, always bring a hard copy of your yes. resume. Bring a couple. Um, bring multiples if you can um uh if you so i and i'll just tell you the things i do for interviews when i'm being interviewed for a job i'll bring in um in a plastic folder i bring my resumes i bring a notepad and i bring a pen okay and i before i go into an interview i try to think of questions that i want to ask a because i generally have questions Mm -hmm. but b they're always people are always going to ask you if you have questions and just it just looks better if you ask a question even if you don't have I mean if you want the job you probably have a question there's a good chance that your questions will be answered before you get a chance to ask them and it's fine to say here's my list of questions you've answered all of them um chances are they probably won't but um it's always yeah, it's always good to have questions. And then um, wait, what was your question? What did I just, I feel
0: like for a, I'm... Set, for a set PA who wants to like <laughs> or any PA who wants to work on set like advice or things that they should do in an interview. Yeah. Okay. So That would like help them get the job.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, where where's I mean, you know, you know, dress dress kind of appropriately. Yes. Like I don't care if you're wearing jeans, but, like, throw on a button-down. Yeah. Like, don't wear a T-shirt. Like, this isn't corporate, but don't... It's not, but it's it's still not corporate, interview. but dress for the position you want, yeah. not the position you have. That's, like... That's such a, like, corporate business piece yeah. of advice. And I hate to say it. But you know what I noticed? Just for, for me, personally, when I was a PA, when I started, like... I... Um, kind of without even noticing it in my conscious mind, but... I realized I started wearing like collared button up shirts. Like you have them right now. I, yeah. I, now it's like just like these,
0: I just wear my dad's yeah. old shirts everywhere. Like, Which I love them. They're so stylish. Oh, uh, they're,
1: and they're just so comfortable. comfy. Comfy. Yes. That's why I wear them. But um, I noticed when I started wearing collared shirts, I, I
0: felt differently. Which means I acted
1: differently. Like, do
0: you think, like, you commanded more respect? Or I Or people do. respected I, you more? I, yes, I do. But people respected
1: me more, I think I found out later, because I was respecting myself. More. Mm. Because I felt more professional when I wore this thing that I tucked into my jeans. Yeah. Which is like, whatever.
0: It's so silly that we put so much importance but on. But we course. do. But we do. The so that's just, of it is that we do. reality, somebody told me that reality is perception. Yes, oh my gosh. Or, per, whatever. Well,
1: <laughs> Well, we perceive our own reality, yeah. and we create our own reality, and and I am a big proponent of that. I will talk about consciousness at any time yeah. of the day, whenever anybody is ready to. Mm-hmm. But because we live in in a in a society where we we do have the ability to create our own reality, and and I I woke up at some point in this like transition of clothing <laughs> and realized like oh my gosh like I like people are treating me differently yeah.
0: And it's not like you have on, like, a full-blown, like, female yeah. suit and heels because you can't wear no. that on a set, but it's just a little extra.
1: It's amazing, just the uh, T-shirt versus a collared shirt. It's yeah. so silly, and it's so interesting how much that little, little, little difference yeah. um, of something that, you know, it's quite fine to wear a T-shirt every single day to work in this industry. Mm-hmm. We know that. It's, like, too many How many, many
0: people have on? Acceptable. Yes. <laughs>
1: But Sometimes there's this above. other thing. There's this other thing. It's like I, I and it's so dumb. It's If you it's, saw
0: a PA with a collar shirt, what would you think? Wh- is it one of my PAs or is it a PA on a different job or just Either or person? like if one of your PAs started wearing a collar shirt or if you saw a PA on set that had a collar shirt on. I I am I mean, I'm impressed. Yeah. I
1: I really am. Like I it's so it's ultimately it doesn't really matter. And yeah. I'm not
0: going to, you know, it's, you're not like, oh, not, yeah, that one over not, this yeah, one, but you just you just attention. look and you think you're like, huh
1: But when it's but when it comes but circling back to the interviews though It does make more of an impression yeah. and that is something that I am more cognizant of when I'm doing interviews is How you how you want to present yourself? Yeah. How do you want to present yourself for this job like? Um, one of our PAs Ty. you know, we love Ty he shows up I, I scheduled him to interview first because I was like every the way everybody talked about this guy I was like I already know like, yeah. I already know I'm going to want him to be a part of the staff so I'm going to schedule him first because I know he's going to kick off the interviews right mm-hmm. and it's going to be great and I was it was absolutely the case he wore a vest and he wore a tie and he wore a i do shirt. remember he did look good he looked very professional. very presentable and professional and he certainly does not dress like that on set nor should he yeah but he took the time and the care to present himself well and that meant a lot and, like you said, you certainly don't have to wear a suit. You don't yeah. have to wear a skirt. You don't have to. Sometimes people I, will look at you weird.
0: Like, why do they have that on? Yeah. Like, you're going to get dirty lifting stuff, picking up yeah. stuff. Yeah, you just
1: definitely shouldn't dress like that on set. There's a, certainly a different code of dress on set. But, like, but in the interview, I appreciate the extra effort because when we were interviewing other people, you know, there were people who showed up in t shirts, there were people who showed up in. You like, know, set wear which yeah yeah i mean there was one person in particular that showed up uh, well anyway (laughs) it it, it just it it means a lot if you present yourself well it is noticed and i certainly noticed that um but you know i'm looking for being someone being present someone being open someone making eye contact someone Mm -hmm. with a firm handshake okay yeah. Give me a good handshake, people. Don't give me, like, the little weak no, thing. No, I don't need that. Yeah. Uh-uh. And sometimes when I encounter that on set, <laughs> if somebody I'm like you a weak handshake... I'll be like, oh my gosh, I'm so
0: sorry. I grabbed your hand incorrectly. Let me get in here for a real shake. But you know, it's me. weird. It grosses me out. Like if somebody does this, I'm like, ew. I hate ew. it. I hate like it. I, it's I so it weird. So I'm much. like, ew. Like because that can be a power play too. It's like, mm mm, no, yeah. no. I'm coming
1: at this with equal, and that's why I'll, I'll make you shake my hand again. Wow. And I'll put it on myself.
0: You know, yeah. Like, sure. oh, that was me. I, yeah. I did it wrong. Let's I grabbed.
1: Oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. This. Look how I grabbed your hand. Let me give you a real proper And then if hand it's shape.
0: over again, you're um, like, ah, that's you. Yeah.
1: But yeah, you know, it's just give me a firm handshake, give me a hard copy of your resume. And another thing is, and I wish I could get the word out, like, and I've I've so often given people my production resume. Production resume is definitely different mm. than your standard okay. corporate resume. I don't need a, uh, what is it, like the mission statement thing? Yeah. It's like it's your called? objective yes. or your objective. Don't put one of those on yeah. there. We all know what your objective, objective, objective yeah. is. We don't need that. We don't, don't care. Don't put that on there. Yeah, I, right.
0: I've heard that when I did mine over there. Like, just take that off. Nobody cares.
1: Nobody cares.
0: And nobody wants that because yeah. it
1: feels like disingenuous mm. I've I often sent my production resume. I'll send my production resume to anybody who asks. Wow. Because I feel yeah. like... Um, Not to sound braggadocious, but I feel like mine is really good because it is formatted, because of the formatting. It's all the same. It's all formatted in a very easily readable manner. And just because, you know, I mean, I've been in the industry eight years. My resume is supposed to be longer than yours. I'm not looking for a long resume. I'm looking for something that's easy to read. I'm looking for um any names on your resume that hmm. I might
0: recognize like so maybe that I've put na- okay. before. okay so names
1: I could uh, I wish I could just like give everybody yeah. my resume to show how it is but it's like I list the title
0: Well we of can the include project. it on here.
1: Yeah, I mean it's I, I will mo- I will certainly certainly throw mine up because I um I've seen so many resumes that are formatted so poorly. And you know it's not it's not necessarily it's
0: for me it's not a It's just voice. not formatted for this.
1: Exactly. Or or it's like it's all over the place or whatever. And if you ever email your resume to someone please don't send them a Microsoft Word. Yeah, it
0: should be a PDF. Yes, <laughs>
1: please. It's so easy. Yeah. You can Google that. It's I do a save as a PDF. PDF. It's so easy to do
0: that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um
0: yeah, specifics. So, like if they have all of those things, you know, they got a nice resume, but you're interviewing five different people and say there's only three spots. What are those three candidates going to have that the other ones don't? And it could be more experience, but other things in general, like, what are you looking for where you're, like, determining, nope, these three people and not those other two?
1: Yeah, it's hard to say because there are so many variables with that because um, one of the biggest variables would be what are those three positions that are available? Mm. Is it running first team, background, and doing paperwork? Like, are those the three positions? Or is it key, walkies, and a helper position? Like, yeah. It just would really, really, really depend on the position that you're interviewing for. But if you're speaking more generally, I mean, ultimately, I'm looking for someone who is present, who has a good attitude, who has a good work ethic, who is willing to stand on their feet for a minimum of 12 hours a day. Yeah. Minimum. Minimum. yes. (laughs) Minimum. I mean, generally, it's going to be closer to like 14, 14. 14 to 16 hours, yeah, realistically. Yeah, let's just be honest. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking for people who have a strong work ethic, who have a good attitude, and who have the hustle. Yeah. That, it, honestly, it comes down to those three things. If you have a good attitude and you're willing to learn and you have a strong work ethic, I'll teach you all day long.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, I could, like... I mean, that's not... I, I kind of want to... Uh, I'll throw out Rachel's name right now yeah. because I'm so proud of her because she's I think this is her been,
0: first time, yeah.
1: She's never been... Not only has she never been a production assistant before... She's never been a first-team PA before. And that's one of the hardest, most nuanced positions. But in her interview, as soon as the interview was over, I turned to Matt Fleck. I was like, that's who I want to run first-team. Because it wasn't a... What do you think it was for her? For her, it was... She was there. She made eye contact. She had a good personality. She was willing... Like, she dealt with her nerves well. That's another thing. Mm. In in, in interviews, you're going to be nervous. Nervous. That's natural. Like, you have... You will be nervous. Yes. That is okay. You will
0: be. <laughs> they know okay. you're going to be nervous.
1: Yes. Um, but for Rachel, she was there. She was present. And she wanted
0: it. And I could yeah. see
1: how bad she wanted it. And I knew that she would work hard. Like, the way that she... Like
0: you knew she wasn't going to know everything, but she would work hard. Exactly. Yeah. And
1: I knew that she was up for... I could tell in the interview that she was up for a challenge, no matter what. And mm-hmm. that... I told her the first week that she was working, I'm like... You're a freshman in a senior class right now. You if you if this was if you were in the city, you would not be doing this. This is not how we would do you would be doing this inch by inch, Mm -hmm. day by day. (laughs) You would start off as a first team helper, doing things that are like at your skill level. You don't have the luxury of that. Yeah. You're fucking in the fire right now. And I know that's just how it is. And and it's how it is. And I know you're intelligent, you're present, yeah, you're awake. And you're able to take criticism as constructive. And adjust. And adjust, exactly.
0: Because you have to make those changes. Like when they're given to you, you Mm -hmm. have to change and adjust accordingly. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So that's it. I mean, it's like, honestly, it comes down to, are you willing to work for that long? Mm -hmm. And within that, can you have a good attitude for that long? That's really what it comes down to because you're spending, you're
0: so many hours with them. You're,
1: this is your new family.
0: Basically, no, yeah. You're not, you're, when you go home, you're just there to literally sleep. That's, that's it.
1: And
0: I go home and shower, just go to maybe. sleep and home shower. Day. Yeah. Hopefully if
1: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you can get one yeah. in. Yeah. Like, that's it. This is your new family. And it's like, I want to spend, I want to spend time. Like I want to spend these days with people I enjoy. I'm not yeah. spending people. I'm not spending time with people that are miserable. Like if I can help it. Mm-hmm. And I try to set
0: that tone and I try to keep the vibes like, as positive as possible. As you can. Yes. Let's get specific. Yes. We'll go through each, you know, PA position. You Just one thing that, you know, for first team, for key, yeah. for the walkie, base camp. One thing for each. So let's start with base camp. One thing.
1: Well, in this situation, and because we're running it in the New York style, mm-hmm. we don't so we really don't. have a base camp PA. So um, but I would in New say, York. if I were to just go from top to bottom, I would probably start with the key PA. Okay. Um, the key PA is... Uh, he or she tells all the PAs where to go, what where to be. They set all the lockups. They run the, the PA department. They yeah. run the staff of PAs, and they fill in the gaps. Um, they fill out their. They um, you know they're they're by the director. If the second second or the first AD can't mm-hmm. be by the director. Or they're on set if the first AD or the director, I mean, or the second second can't be on set. Okay. Um, they are setting all the lockups, so all the additional PAs, they're hiring all the additional PAs. They're knowing mm. where those additional PAs are at all times. They're gotcha. putting them on street quarters. They're relieving them from lockups. They are running the, the PA piece. staff. Yeah. Okay. That's what the key is doing. The key is a very hard job, and that's why... Generally, the key gets paid a little bit more yeah. hourly. So, not what are you
0: looking for? Um, experience. For okay, they got it. Really, yeah.
1: That's the, honestly like you can't be a key if you're not experienced. You just, it's, it's just no So, how choice.
0: does it work usually when you transition? Like when you take that step to become a key PA, mm-hmm. has it that you've maybe done all the other PA positions? Or, like, yes. what is, how do you get to that next step of being a key PA?
1: Um, ideally you have done all the other PA positions at first um, or, or at least once, once.
0: yeah um,
1: and that's, you've been in it for a couple years yes certainly that's not always the case, case. but if you're talking about like a uh, like a TV show in Brooklyn that's being yeah. done in Brooklyn you're gonna you're just going to want to have more experience because yeah. you're going to flounder otherwise yeah and a lot of times like at that point if you're trying to to transition into a a key position, there are... A lot of times you can, like, key for a day or two. Like, Mm. if there's, like, a tandem unit that's being shot... Like, a TV show is, like, on their second episode, but they have a tandem unit... For one day of yeah. stuff that they ha- that they didn't get for their first episode, so they'll have you know you can sometimes you can be like a key PA for a day or two like on a okay. tandem unit like that, and that'll kind of help you start transitioning into mm. the mindset of the yeah. different. Of it's the, like a
0: slow transition. Exactly, yeah.
1: Or other times you know you're just you thrown <laughs> right into it. Yeah. I mean that certainly happens. It just varies. Exactly, but for the key, generally speaking, experience you you just to have it you just have to have experience I mean at least as other uh, um, as other um, as other PA positions like Mm -hmm. you've done other PA positions for me my first ever key PA job was it was oh man I wish I could remember you remember that weird magic movie that Will Smith did it was... Was it uh, with,
0: um... That lady?
1: Margot Robbie? Yeah. What oh, was that movie I don't called? remember, but I love that movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, I
0: want to look it up. Though. All right. Here. Oh, man. Yeah. So, anyway, we did... I'm trying to think. What is it called?
1: We did I uh, I can't remember the name. Uh, oh, it was so good. So, the first time I was ever at QPA, they did a two... It was a two-day weekend um, setup in... Um, in the city in Lincoln Square Mm -hmm. and it was in December and it was cold as
0: fuck and I had to hire like 20
1: PAs for both days and I'd never been a key PA and I didn't have all these like contacts. Yeah Yeah, like like, I don't know. I was just reaching out to other key key PAs. I was like yo send me all your best additional PAs. Yeah and so I would just reach out to them and book them like that but that was my first you know you know you at that point you pretty much know what goes into it. Mm -hmm. Doing it is the challenge. But as long as you're prepared, as long as you pretty much have a good idea of what you're doing of your responsibilities, then you'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So let's move into that transition of how do you become an AD? You know, like, there's certain things that it takes. Mm -hmm. Let's get into that, like, the nitty-gritty of, like, how many days do you have to have? Like, what is that transition from being a set PA to moving over into an AD?
1: That transition is different for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone approaches it differently. I mean, just as like a bare bones type of like standard way to get into the Directors Guild of America, yeah. which is what a union AD gets into. The DGA. Um, the DGA, that's right. Um, and that's for that's for assistant directors, that's for unit production managers, that's for location managers, that's for directors. Um And so the way just a bare bones way to get into it is you get six hundred staff or six hundred PA days. Okay. And then you have to come. And those have to be on set. Well, they, ha- yeah, I mean, it can't be. I think a percentage of office PA jobs can be used. I think it's like 25%. Okay. But honestly, I don't know if that number is entirely accurate mm-hmm. because it's not.
0: But most of them have to be. Yeah, okay. generally, generally,
1: it's from being a staff, okay. or not a staff PA, a set, a set PA. Okay. You don't have to be a staff PA. You could get all your PA days as additional PA days if you wanted to. Mm um that I wouldn't recommend that
0: uh but you could do that uh, so I never you, even thought about it like being an additional like for yeah. all those days
1: yeah you could do that but you'd probably drive yourself insane because it's really tough yeah. like after a certain point being an additional, additional PA because it's just so like if it's something if getting into the d j a is something you really want to do like you're, gonna, you're just naturally going to want to do all the different yes. staff
0: positions. You don't want to just keep being in additional. Exactly. You're not going like, to learn as much. Mm-mm. No.
1: Um, so you submit your 600 days to the guild. You have to do it. Um, there's a whole way to do it. Like You have to put together a binder. What has to nine. be in the binder? So you, it has to be either call sheets or PRs or both.
0: So call sheets from all... Every single job. Okay. Every single day. You so you're gonna have a, 600 call sheets in there. You're gonna have a minimum of. Mid- okay. 600.
1: Yes. <laughs> when I turned my book in, I turned in 720 days. Okay. Because that meant that 120 of those days could be wrong, mm. could be thrown out, could be not accepted you fr- for some yeah, reason, you don't and I would know. still get in. Okay. I knew that they were all going to be good because, like, I'd already talked to the women who yeah. are at the um, the CQL, the Commercials Qualifications List office, and they're the ones that look through all the books, and they're the ones. that What is previewed. that called? It's the commercial qualifications list for the DGA. It's actually a third party to the DGA. The DGA itself is not the one that looks at all these books. Mm. They hire that out to a third party affiliate who um, is is certainly – they're they're sister companies, but they are not the same – it's not part of the action guild itself. So you submit your binders to the CQL, um, and then you're on the QL, the qualifications list, before Hmm. you actually are a member of the Directors Guild of America. Gotcha, okay. So So the bare bones of it is you get your days, you put together your books, you submit your books, you get approved to be on the qualifications list for the DGA, and then you get your first job. Hopefully, it's a staff job. And then you join the DGA on your first staff job. And then you're a part of the DGA. You have to pay your initiation fee. You have to pay your dues. you got to pay all that.
0: So shit. what are those dues usually? I mean, it could vary, but what are, like, the general prices of the dues and all the fees?
1: So I joined – so if you join on a low-budget agreement job, okay. which is, like – I think the one I joined on was, like, a maybe a, – uh two
0: or three
1: million dollar movie mm-hmm. it might not have even been that which much So to it some people like
0: that's a lot of money but for a, oh <laughs> so for a little. film it's, it's so like oh nothing. man <laughs> it's so nothing. Um
1: but I joined on like a really low budget movie and so because I did that I got a reduced initiation fee so okay. I think my initiation fee was $1,500 but if you join on a basic agreement job which is just above the line like I mean not above the line but it's like Basic agreement, it's like everything included, um, and that I think is about six grand. Oh wow! Um, but the cool thing about that is once you join, they like, and you have to pay off this initiation fee. You can do it in installments, and you can okay. set up the installments how you want, and there's no interest or anything like
0: that. Okay, so, you don't have to just do it right then and there. Exactly, to,
1: okay. they work with you, and they'll and like I think I did mine in like three different installments of $500, but I could have been doing monthly payments of $50 yeah, if, if that's what want. I needed to do. Um, and then after that, you um, you pay quarterly dues. So every three months, you have to pay dues on what you have earned in the past Is it, it a months.
0: percentage?
1: It is a percentage. Okay. I don't know what that is <laughs> because... Okay. Um, I could like I could definitely look up what the price I'll include it in later. But it's yeah, but it is based off of what you make. It's based off of your gross earnings. Mm, for those three months. Net. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So you have to total up all your earnings for that three month period and then you submit it online and then they come back and they're like, Okay, you owe us six hundred dollars, you owe us seven hundred dollars, something like that, you know? Gotcha. And if you're making more you're paying more. More. Yeah. Um, yeah, but like so on this job, um, as a key second, I'm gonna look it up. So yeah, I'm go ahead, go ahead. Well. <laughs> of course. So on this job, um, the DGA for for this job cons- considers this a level four baker, four B. What's job. that? So that is for the DGA. Um, they consider a level four Baker job. I'm going to read this directly. Yeah. Go ahead and read it. Website. On motion pictures with budgets greater than $5.5 5 million, but equal to or less than $8.5 million. So that's what a level four B job mm. is. Um, so on this job, since I'm on location, I get, um, I get more, I get paid more. Cause I'm, yeah. When
0: you're on, lo- yeah. yeah.
1: Cause I'm based out of the city. Yeah. Um, so, on this, that job, is a thing I
0: do know that, like, when you're working on location, you're you usually get paid more. Exactly. You should yeah. be. <laughs> yeah, you
1: do. You also get, uh, but when you're on a job, as far as the DGA is concerned, on a location job, um, you're actually on a six day work week. Mm. Exactly. Wow. So, if you don't work Saturdays or Sundays, or if you don't work that six day, it's great you're
0: getting paid more but
1: if it turns out that you have to work that six day you don't get paid that much more because it's kind of equal to if you were in the studio and working a six day so on this job i am making my weekly location salary is three thousand nine hundred and eighty nine dollars and I get other stuff on top of that. I get like a production fee that's like $790. And is that every week? That is every week. The production fee is every week that we're working, and that is my location salary for every week. Yeah.
0: Gosh, gotcha. so the production fee is basically because you're working outside of your normal not you're not working in like your home area well you always get a you actually always get a production
1: fee um, as a key second or a first ad Mm -hmm. and it basically that's basically to cover the work that you're not going to that you're not going to get paid for but the work that you just kind of end up doing off the clock
0: like uh, that's yeah, that's like, true. Cause you might have to go yeah, home, and yeah, yeah exactly. they know.
1: Like you gotta talk to actors, or you know, like this weekend, like I've been like dealing with a couple things with the actors. Like um, you're always
0: working though, pretty kind, much. Yeah, kind of always working. So that's
1: why that number is so
0: high. It's for which covering. I think it's. I think it's, you know, accurate because you guys are working, like, outside of just the production hours yeah. that we're filming.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, it's basically covering that. Um, and then, you know, you get other stuff on top of that. Like, i get per diem because it's a location job. I'll get, which is,
0: like, to cover you for food and
1: stuff? It's for meals. Yeah, okay. exactly. So, I get $60 a day that's non-taxable, which is nice. Um, and, and they that, they
0: pay for your housing? Yeah, like, so they're, put putting,
1: yeah, they're putting us up in a hotel. Um I could, you know, one option that you can do on location jobs if you want to, if you don't want to stay like in the crew hotel, you can take the money that they would be and find your own place, exactly okay. like an
0: Airbnb or whatever.
1: Um so yeah, so those are just the that's just the bare bones minimum and like if you're on a basic agreement job as a key second, you're getting paid even more than the numbers that I just said.
0: Yeah, um, it goes up.
1: Yeah, so it I mean, you know, you are compensated you are certainly compensated for the work that you do. do
0: yeah, but you—I mean—which is why the dues are so high, like the fees and yeah, the dues. Yeah. But like being in the DGA, they also have—I've heard at least they have like a pretty good. I think like um, like a retirement program they or like do have the, a good uh, pension plan. Uh, yeah, a pension plan. I heard that it's like pretty. And how is their health? They have like they have, health. They have good healthcare. They have good pension. Um, they have they they even have
1: dental. They have vision. Oh wow! They have, they um, will like they have some sort of like hearing aid program. Mm-hmm. Like there's a the benefits are very good. Okay, um, being a part of the DGA is really good. I mean. The, we you know we also have Teamsters. The Teamsters is the best union in, in the country. I've heard. Yeah, I've heard. <laughs> um, I think everybody knows that. But the DGA is a really good... Um, it is a guild. It's not a union, if mm-hmm. you want to make that distinction or whatever. But they uh, they
0: do a good. What about job. the Teamsters? Is that union? It's union. Okay. Yeah. Um, what is the difference? I've never really so thought much of the difference between a guild and a union.
1: There's not a whole lot of difference. The main difference is... It's like if, if you're part of a union, like if you're part of the Teamsters or IOTC mm-hmm. and your current job ends and you want to go find your next job, you don't have to find it through networking or word of mouth. You can call up the hall. You can call up the Teamster hall. You can call up IOTC be like, yo, I'm available. And then they will put you on a list and they'll get you your next job. Whereas yeah. being part of SAG, which is also Screen Actors Guild, that's a guild. Or the DGA, it's not like that. You gotta find. You your... call them up. And you're like, yo, I finished a job. They're like, all right, what's your next one?
0: Ah. So. Gotcha. Like you kind of gotta just figure it out yourself. Exactly. I didn't know that.
1: Except for the one caveat in that, and also it's something. Um, it's another way to get to the DGA is the training program. There's a DGA training program mm, that I've is, heard of this like, yeah, slightly before. It's it's a. It's not something that's very easy to get into. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's a two-year program. I think they get you like a laptop and um, they get you your jobs. And they'll find you jobs for two years. And you're considered a DJ training. And you'll get paid. um, Generally, you get paid just a little. Little bit more than a the PA. PA okay and then at the end of those two years rather than having to what you would normally do you'd have to submit your book and do all that to get to the guild but if you're a trainee at the end of those two years you can just join the guild you don't have to do any of that oh stuff. wow you don't have to submit your book which I mean you know where that, is that offered um you have to go to the website the DGA website okay. to apply for the trainee program mm-hmm. and then that's also through uh that's run by Sandy Foreman who is a wonderful human being she's lovely and uh, she does all the the final interviews and all that stuff and um, uh, and she's the one who puts those DGA trainees on different jobs wow. so you for those two years you're not able to, to choose your jobs if you're part of the trainee program you just get put you just got to go job to job to job to job and that's not necessarily easy unless that's what you're looking for yeah. unless you don't want to have to worry about finding your next job mm-hmm. um, but anyway, yeah, so that's that's another way to
0: get into the guild. I forgot where I was going with that. Uh, How to kind of get into becoming into the DGA, Yeah. becoming an AD. Yeah. So I've heard, like, uh, so uh, isn't there, like, another way, like, sometimes you can kind of just get, like, placed, like, if, like, a job or a production hires you and, like, they say, okay, we know you've done, like, AD stuff on non-union jobs. Like, if you work on a union job, sometimes they will kind of, like, I guess, like, bring you on, and that's kind of how you get into the AD.
1: Yeah, so you said I don't think that
0: happens all the time, but
1: yeah, I mean, there, I can't remember what it's called. Um, well, sometimes you can get a waiver, okay? Yes, that's um, what I
0: was trying to think.
1: Yeah, of. sometimes that's not super common. Um, Matt Fleck is joining the job, the guild on this job. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure, but he still has to do all the normal stuff with like mm-hmm. submitting his paperwork. Okay, you have to do that at some point. Um, which, again, that's, like, all that yeah. paperwork is, like,
0: cautious. But he didn't have to, like... Does he still have to kind of go through the process of having 600 PA days? Or his is a little bit different? His, his is a little work.
1: bit different because you can join the guild um, as an AD with your AD days. So you can mm. join... You don't necessarily... So Mo the... Mostly, people join as a second AD. Okay. So it's like there's not technically like uh, there's not technically a second second position in the guild. Everybody just joins as a second AD. Mm, I didn't know that. But yeah, because it's like the idea, the reason it's a second second AD is because it is the second level. Of second AD. I always thought it was weird.
0: Job. Like, why isn't it just third AD? <laughs> well, in LA it is. Oh, really? Yeah. Because I'm like, what is this second, second, second? I'm like, what? I always because thought it was weird. everybody is
1: a second AD. That's why. The difference is being the key second, so the the main second AD, or... The second second AD. Mm. But you're both second Second. ADs. Gotcha. You're both in the guild as second ADs. The only difference is your duties on set and the pay that you're getting. It's different. Because the second second is getting paid less than the key second. The key second is getting paid less Less than than the the first. first AD.
0: I want to thank you all for tuning into part one of the fourth episode of the crew only podcast with Laura Riser. If you enjoyed listening to her talk about how to join the DGA and what they look for when hiring set PAs, make sure you stay tuned for part two of the conversation. If you learned something new, if you found the conversation interesting, or even if you didn't like it, send me a DM on IG at Jasmine Porter. I want to know what you thought about it. Share this podcast with your friends. I want to make sure we get this information out to anyone who wants and needs to hear. Make sure to like, subscribe, and give us a review. Stay tuned for part two of my conversation with Laura Riser. You don't want to miss it. <laughs>